0: Welcome to the IAM Podcast. My name is Carl Weaver, and I am the Website Content Manager at IAM. If you have any suggestions for the IAM Podcast, you can email me at carl.weaver at iamovers.org. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. We want to hear from you. You can leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash IAMovers slash message. I will also put the link in the show notes so you can click on it right there. Today's December 1st, and I am talking with Brian Limperopoulos, who is IAM's vice president. Good afternoon, Brian. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, Carl. How are you?
0: I'm great, thanks. I had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you did, too.
1: How was that turducken?
0: The turducken was delicious. You know, it's, um, you know, I was inside for four days, just like I am for five days a week, usually. So it was, uh, it was just different walls. So it was fun.
1: So for those, uh, for our listeners, what is turducken?
0: <laughs> well, turducken, this one was a little different, but traditional turducken, if you want to get technical, is a turkey stuffed with a duck stuffed with a chicken. This one had a fourth ingredient, which was what? pork sausage. <laughs> so my turducken, the second ingredient listed is is pork. Um, and what that amounts to is a meat hat trick. It's three meats in one meal.
1: It sounds like it's four meats in one meal.
0: I know, but I passed. I passed <laughs> that level. is what I'm saying. It was a hat trick for sure.
1: I would definitely get the meat sweats after that.
0: <laughs> yeah, we had, we had lots of vegetables too. So yeah. that's good.
1: What what kind of beer do you uh, pair that with?
0: You know, I was going to do. Uh, I was going to call the uh, the Traducan hotline and ask what they recommended. I paired it with um a nice ipa because it's sort of a bold flavor so you want to have these complementary uh flavors flavor actions going on so i thought it was a good pairing Hmm.
1: i i've never heard i've never eaten turducken i don't foresee turducken in my near future but uh i might have to might have to push for it next thanksgiving
0: oh you know it'll change your life i'm sure if you need someone to sell it to, to lena just let me know i'll call her up
1: I will, I
0: will. Her.
1: I'm more enthusiastic about pumple, but, uh, that's, that's another topic for another podcast. Yeah, that,
0: you mentioned that the other day in the staff meeting, it got a little tense because yeah. of our one pastry chef in house, uh, Nicola. So,
1: well, and, and this is why people come to the podcast. This is why they turn on their, on their, uh, earbuds to listen to us talk about Thanksgiving meals. Right.
0: You got to give the people what they want.
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're back from uh, Thanksgiving break. And there, there's, you know, I, I used to say, Carl, uh, that things would slow down uh, at the office after the conference. And it doesn't slow down anymore. No, There's a ton of stuff going on.
0: Yeah, and not, I mean, we've got a lot of news we're going to talk about. But even just the pace of stuff going on, I was going to say here in the office, but no one's, I'm the only one in the office. And the reason I come here is no one's here, um, you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, just the stuff that we're doing inside our virtual walls at IAM is, uh, we are not slowing down. It's its sort of an odd year.
1: That's for sure. Uh, you know, between, you know, between the virtual annual meeting and now, uh, you know, after the virtual annual meeting, you know, what we're doing and, you know, let's transition over now and we, we had as our first item on the ePortal newsletter is something that's, I think, a pretty important development. Um, And I'll set the stage for it. If you, as an IAM member, and hopefully all of our IAM members are listening, but if you've ever moved uh, a shipment into or out of the United States, you know that household goods has a high likelihood of being pulled for an exam, or, um, you know, by U.S. Customs. And during those examinations, delays can happen. And when delays happen, there can be extra fees. And IAM has long advocated for your company and your clients in those situations because it's nothing that you can forecast. You cannot build those extra fees and those transit time delays into your quote and ultimately, it reflects on your service, whether it's your fault or not. So, you know, for many years, we've pushed for uh, this practice to be examined uh, by the U.S. Federal Maritime Commission. We've also advocated on behalf of the members to U.S. Customs and Border Protection. But now we have this, car. we have this unique kind of confluence of events happening right now. and it's affecting not just household goods shippers, it's affecting every shipper in the global supply chain. Uh, We're going to talk about the US right now, but we're also going to talk a little bit about the global port, um, global supply chain issues that are occurring right now. But from the US standpoint, we have the Federal Maritime Commission now announcing that they are going to investigate these practices Uh, that are taking place at U.S. ports, whether it's the shipping lines or the terminal operators charging additional fees, um, making it difficult for our members and their clients to move through U.S. ports without facing delays or additional fees. So IAM has been an early uh, partner in a coalition with the Harbor Trucking Alliance, and there's a number of other coalition partners uh, composed of shippers who move product into and out of US ports. And we have now been successful in first, having the FMC in their most recent investigation say, we do have the authority to investigate uh, these practices. And now what the most recent development that we highlight in the ePortal is the FMC is now looking to exercise that newfound authority and maybe help provide some relief to our members and their customers. So that is just a very long-winded way of saying that, some of our advocacy is really starting to um, pay dividends and we're hoping that we can hopefully push the FMC to exercise this authority and help out our members and their clients in the future whether it's in the here and now when there's this severe port congestion at LA Long Beach or you know down the road when you know, uh, one of our, uh, our, our client shipments are pulled for an exam and it doesn't get out of uh, CBP's custody for several days. So that's, that's kind of the upshot of what we're looking at with this recent FMC uh, news. That's,
0: uh, that's important stuff there
1: it's like a lot it's a lot to cover i mean it it really is a lot to cover i hope people didn't uh lose interest in the podcast but i i just want to emphasize that what's going on at the ports is basically um you know people are paying are being asked to pay fees for cargo not to move and the fmc wants you know if they're fulfilling their their goals and their mission they should be looking at how money is used to grease the supply chain and move cargo as soon as possible, and that—that's where I think the breakdown is happening.
0: Yeah, and it's like you're saying, Brian. It's not just household goods; it's uh, car parts and you know plasticware and you know anything you buy at a store that's maybe made somewhere else had to be shipped in. Um, so it's it's definitely. Uh, affecting multiple segments of the economy yeah. and not just here you know we're talking about u.s ports, but of course this is you know if we we're talking about u.s ports. that had to come from somewhere else you yeah, so this exactly. is a, a global problem and it's not just a problem in the u.s it's all over
1: and carl you've done a great job of pulling together a lot of kind of information on what's what's ultimately leading to those issues at the ports you know you, you have links here to, you know, what's going on in Felixstowe in the United Kingdom, you know, what's going on in Asia that's fueling the congestion at the port of LA Long Beach. You know, all these Chinese manufacturers are gearing up. They gear up every year to move product to the US for Christmas. And there aren't any empty containers to load that, those empty containers into. And so there's products sitting in Asia there's empty containers sitting in the U S and there's a breakdown in the supply chain. Right. So
0: I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No. And, and, and so just it's, it costs next to nothing for containers to go one way and it costs, you know, you're, you're paying through the nose for the containers to come back. And that's, that's where I, I think there's a lot of, I'm curious to hear from the members what, what they're seeing in their local areas and how this is impacting them. We we are going to be running several panels this week, uh, this month, examining this issue in greater depth. Um, but yeah, what were you going to say, Carl?
0: Oh, you know, it's complicated by uh, COVID and by Brexit. You know, and yep. there are all these other things going on. Yeah, you know, so Howard, you know, I was just writing, I think I put this on the website earlier today or yesterday, uh, a couple articles about how uh, companies, uh, these uh, uh, shipping companies, are saying, you know what, things are so nutty at Felixstowe, we're not even going to go there anymore. So they're dropping them at Bre- Bremerhaven or or at uh, I can't remember the port in uh, in Bra- in uh, Belgium, you know, it's probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then I mean, which is great, they get the stuff off their ship, but now it's got to make it from Belgium, you know, to back to the UK. Um, you know, it's just a mess. I guess it's closer than if, if it was stuck in Japan.
1: True, but you quote, I mean, the, the key to doing business is certainty and understanding your costs and then being able to fulfill the service you promised based on the costs you quoted. And all of this uncertainty is is making it impossible for people to do business in, in the right manner, and it's through no fault of their own. They're they're at the mercy of these these global trends, but that's kind of the 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 difficulties and the headwinds people are facing right now.
0: Yeah. So how do we fix this, Brian?
1: I have no idea. And and I think so we need
0: to move the containers to where they're needed, and then they can move the containers somewhere else.
1: Yeah, I think we just need to get like these huge ships, these uh, twenty thousand TEU ships to just call on LA Long Beach to move all these empty containers back to uh, Shanghai and that'll solve it all. You know, yeah. we just, we just need to figure that out. That's I, I yeah, I, I, it's crazy because the shipping lines are making money hand over fist right now. They are making their, their uh, earnings are, are just through the roof right now. And yet their customers are, are paying through the nose because through no fault of their own again you know the shipping lines their whole kind of global system has broken down and yet they're the ones making money
0: yeah well you know if they're they're running fewer ships yeah, yeah so if you if there are fewer ships and there's less you know capacity and you want now people want to ship stuff and you want part of that lower capacity you got to pay for it you know it's it's, true. it's a it's a big systemic problem
1: well and let's see what the fmc comes back with uh hopefully uh we'll get some relief in the near future but um you know, you mentioned covid and uh, uh the next thing on the eportal was uh, the lockdown in france um and we have to thank uh Cedric Zibi from Near Service in, in France for sharing this with us but you know for uh for our members uh just to be aware that the lockdown lockdown in france will be lifted on december 15th i guess as of right now, I, I'm sure mitigating or events can mitigate that if cases continue, uh, go back on the rise, but that's uh, what has been reported to us by near service in France.
0: Yeah, it's a dire situation everywhere, but hopefully that'll be a good uh, shot in the arm for their, so to speak. I don't mean to, I said that uh, without thinking about it, you know, in vaccines, but that'll be hopefully a good thing uh, for their economy there.
1: I think that's pretty apt. Uh, that's pretty apt to make that uh, uh, the shot in the R. That's a good one, Carl.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't even mean that. That's a level of genius we have going on here. <laughs> yeah. So Brian, we were at uh, the Asia Hour. I remember that. Do you remember that that night? We it was like a, we stayed up all night, like it was a slumber party or something here in the U.S.
1: Um, we partied like it was 1999, right?
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And we had a number, I don't remember how many, but a good number of uh, people online who uh, discussed uh, a handful of topics. And if you want to see the first Asia Hour, it's recorded and available and I am learning. But if you don't want to do that, but you want to get involved in the next one, December 16th. uh, So in, in a couple of weeks, we're going to do this again. So the timing, I'm going to tell you the messed up timing here. Wednesday, eleven p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So again, that's eleven p.m. on the sixteenth Eastern. So that's where we are, uh, where you are. If you're in Asia, it will already be Thursday. Am I thinking about that right? Yeah, there. I end. think you're right. Yeah, yeah. and
1: uh, I think like Singapore is twelve hours ahead, so that's like eleven a.m. Mm-hmm. Thursday. Um, so yeah, we, uh, you know, it's part of our part of a strategy to use this virtual technology that we've all been forced into with COVID to now be able to engage our members around the world. And this Asia hour and Asia Pacific hour will be our first step. I think we're gonna be doing different regional kind of hours uh, in in their time zone, but this is kind of our first step. And I think for the event on December 16th Eastern, December 17th in Asia time, right Carl? Mm -hmm. uh, for that, we're, we're going to be kind of talking a little bit more about these congestion issues and how it's impacting, you know, the movement of household goods throughout the Asia-Pacific region. Um, you know, what's going on in China, what's going on in some of the uh, the other markets in there, and how it's impacting uh, transit times, how is it impacting uh, additional fees being lev- levied on movements of household goods and personal effects. So, Please join us for that. You can register for that on I Am Learning right now.
0: And I'll put the link in the show notes for this episode of the podcast. Beautiful. Yeah, that, that was, uh, you know, this is like Brian was saying, this is something new we're doing. Uh, I Am represents the whole world, and uh, we're trying to make the world a little smaller and more accessible. So hopefully, you all can come, and, you know, whether you're in uh, Asia or you do business in Asia, Maybe make some new business contacts, learn, uh, get greater insight into where your partners are doing business and how it's working.
1: Yeah, and it, it's just one of those ideas which is like, once you do it the first time, you're like, man, that's something we should have been doing years ago, you know. And and so it, it's it's you know asking us to stay up a few hours. That's not that's not too hard. And you know if it means we can better connect with our our members in that area of the world that's a small price to pay and the the payoff is huge so it's it's definitely something that we're going to be doing a lot more of
0: what are we going to next
1: brian I, I don't know i mean it, you know we have in general kind of the the standard stuff we always put in the e-portal right we got the prospective members so you can see you know where new members are coming or where prospects are coming into the association. And just for anybody who's listening, um, we encourage you to look at all the prospects and let us know if you have an objection to any of these companies joining the association. That is, uh, as members in good standing, that is one of your, I guess, rights and privileges under the bylaws. And it's it's actually a, a, a big responsibility that we want you guys to take on as well, because you have a role to play in ensuring that the trading environment that IAM is providing to you is as safe and secure as possible.
0: Yeah, this is your opportunity to make sure that only uh, great players and great business uh, contacts are in the IAM membership. By keeping an eye on this, you're keeping the value of your membership very high.
1: And you might be hearing, um, I'm at home today, Carl. So you might be hearing my kids in the background. So that's a that's an added bonus I thought for that anybody. The new,
0: uh, the new intern, is that correct? Right. The intern,
1: I I I, yeah. I would have he'd have to pay me <laughs> to let him have uh, to allow him to be my intern at this point. I uh, you, you just can't trust those six year olds, Carl. And then just the final thing here, we, we have the alleged debtor list. Uh, again, a standard element in the ePortal that we pushed out every single time. It's showing which companies you know, we're tracking as not paying their invoices to other members. And of course, we highlight member news here as well. Uh, so if you have news about your company, about something you've achieved, a new hire, please let us know. We want to highlight what our members are doing. We are a community of, you know, moving companies around the world. And what what's interesting to you is interesting to, you know, the whole IAM network and our, our community of, of international moving companies.
0: Right. And uh, I'd like to highlight one other thing that's going on at uh, IAM Learning. We have a US, and Gover- U.S. government and military affairs update. This is going to yeah. be on uh, December 9th at noon eastern standard time so we're not going to have to stay up till midnight for this at least here but join chuck white who's the iam president and dan bradley who's the director of government affairs for an update of issues related to the u.s government and military and uh, it's going to be this is another new uh, thing that we're doing we're trying to get more periodic updates so we have uh, you know this week it's the ePortal newsletter next week it's the you know, we alternate that with the eGov Mill newsletter, and we're trying to have more periodic updates. You know, in different formats. We're saying we're going to continue these newsletters, but we're also trying to have more discussions and uh, and more panels and things like that. That newsletter goes to our governing members and and a handful of people who signed up for it and asked to receive it. If you want to receive it, you can in uh, you can designate that in your mobility exchange profile
1: is there an easy way to do that you just log into your mobility exchange profile and you go to like your contact preferences
0: that's my understanding yes as an IEM employee and the guy who sends out the newsletters I get all the newsletters already so I have not uh, unsubscribed myself uh, because I figured it's in my best interest to keep receiving those but uh, yeah, that's my understanding. You go to your profile and go to your contact preferences and, and there's a selection there to receive the different publications that we get that we put out. Trying to bring more information to the members.
1: As you said, Carl, you gotta, gotta give the people what, what they want. <laughs> and and this, this thing with Chuck White and Dan Bradley, this government and military affairs update will be a regular thing. Uh, we're looking at maybe a monthly update. So uh, we will, uh, I think that's something that uh, will have a lot of value for those people who are engaged in uh, DOD or GSA work. So uh, yeah, I think that's where, anything else, Carl? I think that's where we, uh, uh, that's kind of what we have to recap this week. Um, But, you know, it was a short week, you know? We had Thanksgiving, so uh, we'll be back with more, I think, ahead of Christmas
0: exactly we'll have at least one more episode maybe two if we're lucky that we'll might, get...
1: that's like a christmas gift for all of
0: our listeners <laughs> god bless us everyone
1: <laughs> we'll dress up like santa the next time
0: there you go yeah everyone will be able to tell on the podcast
1: so. I'll, I'll be bad santa you'll be a good santa
0: there you go <laughs> i i'm not sure i know I want to know the difference but we'll, we'll figure it out
1: uh, i'll show you the movie <laughs>
0: okay Well, Brian, thanks for joining me today, and uh, we'll talk to you later.
1: All right. Thanks so much, Carl. Mm -hmm.
0: John Burroughs recently emailed our office and told us about a movie that's on Netflix right now called Operation Christmas Drop, and it's about a humanitarian effort that his company, John's company, uh, DeWitt Move Worldwide, has assisted in uh, for quite a number of years. And so it's, as you might guess, it's one of these very romantic christmas stories about a woman and a man who fall in love accidentally it's not the type of movie i usually watch and so i had to beg sweet linda to watch it with me this is where we pick up in my conversation with john yeah so you had you had fun watching this with your uh, wife the other night <laughs> yeah so yeah usually it's her saying hey let's watch this cute hallmark movie or you know, it looks really cute, you know, the, the the high-powered New York woman who meets a guy with a flannel shirt, you know, just a different take on that, I think. I'm joined today by John Burroughs, who is the president of DeWitt Move Worldwide and is also the vice chair of our executive committee, and he's here to tell us a little bit about Operation Christmas Drop. John, I have to tell you, I was, I, I, I told you before I watched the movie, um, I was a little disappointed, though. I heard there was uh, this you know, this good looking Air Force captain or something. I thought you got the the lead role, uh, but <laughs> I didn't see you at all in there.
2: No, I was not uh, drafted for the filming of that uh, that film. But it it certainly was a, a a great film to to highlight some of the things that happens out there in the Pacific and wonderful things our military does uh, for for our environment and communities.
0: Yeah. So. Operation Christmas Drop, it turns out, is it's the longest-running U.S. DoD mission in full operation, humanitarian mission. Um, and I read somewhere, and I don't know if this is true, that it's the oldest one. It's the longest-running humanitarian mission in the world. The reason we've got John here talking about it is because DeWitt moved worldwide, had a number of boxes in the movie, and uh, and also has been working, has been part of this Program for a number of years. How did you all get involved, and how long have you been part of it?
2: So I moved out and to Guam in 1992 to work for Dewitt Guam, and I, I don't remember if it was my very first year, but certainly within the first couple of years I was there, we had gotten a request from the Air Force to donate the um, baggage boxes, the triwall cartons, that they would put all the contents in to go and drop at the at the. Um, at the various islands they go out to. And so we, we donated that year and um, we've donated every, every year since then.
0: I think that's just a wonderful thing that y'all are doing. Uh, and you actually got to participate in one of the drops or more than one, didn't you? I, I did one
2: of the drops. So I think after about the third year in a row that we were donating, I was still living there. Um, and I was fortunate if they do the Christmas drop. It's for almost the entire month of December that the that, that, that Christmas drop goes on. Um, and so they, they have these runs that go out in that C-5 plane and I was invited to go along. Now I was of course told about some of the horror stories, uh, meaning that um, they, go, they go out and do the drop and then come back. So some of these flights can be as long as 12 to 16 hours long. So they're, they're long, long run missions that they're going out and doing. So I was fortunate enough that somebody asked me to join one that was about an eight hour round trip uh, flight
0: yeah that i mean 8 hours round trip is bad enough you know <laughs> yeah that, that's quite an endeavor but yeah the, the 12 or 15 hour flights it's nuts um and, and you're delivering not just from guam but or to from guam but ob- obviously to micronesia and some other places you know it sort of gives you a sense of how big the pacific is out there you know i, I think most americans think well there's you know there's California and Washington and then there's yeah there's some water and then there's Hawaii and Guam you know but it's it's a giant amount of space as you know
2: and I think the interesting thing for me uh going on that journey was like you mentioned you're flying across water and then all of a sudden there's an island there is hundreds of islands out there that just really are not plotted on the map that we're unaware of and I think That was one of the most fascinating and eye-opening things for me to to have the privilege of going on the flight was um, a lot of them were in an atoll shape, so the the U-type shape. Um, They would fly over the island so that the island people kind of knew what was coming. Then they would do a second round trip, and then they would always drop um, the the goods into the lagoon area inside the atoll. They didn't want to drop it on the island. Uh, for fear that they would you know, hit a house or somebody or something. So they dropped it in the, in the atoll. But what was fascinating to me was that as we would do this, some, well, they use the old parachutes that are no longer usable for the, the servicemen to use. So they're not wasting the stuff. They drop this parachute in with the, the goods in the boxes. But the thing that was fascinating was is shortly after we dropped it or while we did that second loop, there would be somebody on a shore that would get in a boat and a a small motorboat that would zip out to get this. And, you know, here we are looking at an island that maybe has a population of 100 people, 200 people, 300 people. Um, Most of them had one cement building on, on the island, but this motorboat would come out to gather the goods and take it back in. And in my mind, I'm wondering, how did they get a motorboat? How did they get a motor? Where are they getting the gas from? And how is there a cement building on this little tiny island that's out in the middle of nowhere? Um, you know, I've been told that our, our Navy, you know, so this this Operation Christmas Drop is supported by the Air Force, but the Navy also goes around um, and stops at these islands to help with certain um, things to these island um, people that, that live out there and want to live out there in, in the middle of um, the Pacific and enjoy it. So it was certainly a fascinating thing to, to witness.
0: Now, one of the things I read in the email that you sent to Chuck White was I even saw a, an island in the middle of the water with a with a tree on it like a palm tree and as <laughs> yeah. entry, you know I mean I've, I've never seen anything like that it must have looked like you know one of those cartoon uh, islands you know. it was you know as you're flying along and you know they're flying at
2: very low altitudes and we see this um, but there was a strip of sand sticking up above the water in the middle of nowhere that was nowhere near any island I mean we we're probably a 30 minute flight from the nearest piece of land we saw um, and it was two, three feet above sea level, and probably, I don't know, I'm guessing, but I don't know, let's say 30 feet across by, you know, maybe a couple hundred feet long with, I think there was one or two palm trees on it. So it was just like the typical thing where you get stranded and stuck on an island somewhere. There was nothing there but two trees and a bar of sand in the middle of the ocean. It was just spectacular to see.
0: Wow, that's amazing. The Air Force supports this, but it's not the Air Force paying for everything that they're dropping, right? So they get donations all year long. uh, And it's a lot of humanitarian stuff like medicine, you know, fishing nets, stuff like that is my understanding.
2: Yeah, the community and the island, the business folks in Guam all donate to this. So depending on your line of business, so our line of business is moving. So we have the boxes to support that they can put the goods in to drop. But um, you know, if you're a food person, maybe you put some can, canned goods in there. Um, if it's leftover books or something from maybe the schools, they will donate books, um, shovels, um, any any kind of thing that um, a typical business might have. I mean, you're going to need those things on an island when you go there anyways, or at least they'll be very helpful. And so all of those things are donated, put into the boxes. They're, they're plastic lined. As I mentioned, they drop them in the water, so they kind of seal them up. And get it ready to to go one of the other things that uh, I didn't see in the movie and was interesting a lot of the flights because you're flying that big c5 and the and the back of the plane opens up as they push the cargo out you know and I'm sitting inside on the wall of the plane just on a bench seat Um, but whoever is in the back they're pushing the cargo out you know they're tethered up so they, they don't fall out but usually they're dressed up in a Santa suit, which is kind of fun to see too. So they're they're hanging out the back of the plane in a Santa suit and pushing uh, gifts out to these islands.
0: It was really fascinating to watch. Oh, That's really cool. So I'm guessing that you know this has been a real success from the uh, Air Force perspective and the humanitarian perspective. You guys are planning to continue your efforts with this, right?
2: Yes, we do. We we continue to to donate every year. Uh, it's a very worthy cause and. You know, I think we we do a lot of the moving for the military, and we want to make sure that we give back and support to and a symbiotic relationship that we have with the military. So we're we're grateful to be able to do that and and give back and support our, our services whenever we can.
0: I have a question about the the containers that you uh, that they put all this stuff in that you guys supply. Are they uh, so? If you're supplying this container, this is like one thing that would get a parachute, right? Or are these boxes that would be put in larger containers
2: no so typically they request a a 15 cube triwall and if it's not something that we've had we've special ordered for them in the past because we had larger ones that were more like a quarter size box but they prefer like a 15 cube triwall box so we we just provide that to them um and like i said i I don't know how they're able to to reuse that once it gets wet but the contents inside are still good and they seem to find a way to utilize everything
0: so, and is it the plastic lining that you said is inside that uh, makes it buoyant so they can just go out and pick it out of the water? Or is there actual foam in there or something?
2: I don't know what they pack in there from a floating perspective or how that, that works. That's a very good question. I didn't I didn't watch any of the packaging. I just see the end product. You know, we give the donation. And then when I got on the plane, um, as I mentioned, you kind of get on the sidewall, they give you a little box lunch and that's, that's your... Uh, um, <laughs> Meal service for the flight for eight (laughs) hours. And, uh, you know, it was a little bit nerve-wracking. It was the first time I'd been on a military cargo plane like that. You know, and as you get ready to take off, the the steam, uh, the moisture is coming out of the vents. It feels like and looks like the plane's on fire as you take off because of that. But, um, yeah, you're sitting on the side of a a bench for, you know, however long, eight hours, 12 hours as they go along and do this. And they've got a a charted map of where all the islands are that they're going to. Um, they've got population counts of each one. So I think the the smallest one we dropped to maybe had, I, I can't remember if it was like 60 something people on it. And I think wow. the largest island had a population of about 500, um, according to what they, they showed us on that, on that journey.
0: It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So
2: the, the, And I mentioned before that the Navy, uh, stops by to the islands to help them as well. And, um, I understand that if, if there's islanders that want to go back to the U.S., that they're um, brought back on the, on the boat and they are sent back to the U.S. where they will get education, uh, maybe even towards a doctor or something like that, that, that they will then return back to their island to help their, their island and their local people um, with whatever things they need. So they kind of help get them uh, some of the extra knowledge maybe they need to continue to support their life out there.
0: So there are all sorts of layers of uh, humanitarian efforts here.
2: Yes, for sure. You know, it's always fascinating to me to learn something new, see something new, you know, and, and we get a chance to to try and give donations and support, but I just always find it much more interactive when you get a chance to to really participate, not just give money or goods, but to try and participate and help out. So those kinds of uh, experiences like like for me will will live my entire lifetime i'll never forget seeing that strip of sand with with you know one or two palm trees on it in the middle of the ocean and uh you know it just helps let your mind kind of wander and some of the things that can be done out there in the world is fascinating
0: yeah and that really connects the dots too you know between here's some boxes and oh you did something good you know you really get to see how the how the sausage is made so to speak that's i think that's really missing in a lot like you said in a lot of donation efforts even though those are good too you know yeah. all, all on their own but you know it's just seeing where your where your donations go and how they're used is huge
2: and i showed i showed the uh, chuck in the movie where the guy had all the stuff stored in his house one of the boxes from uh, an agent had the iam logo on the box so i had to make sure that you know IAM's in the movie too oh is it yeah I,
0: I, see now i have to watch it again
2: it was right before. So, you notice in his house, he had all the Home Depot boxes. Yeah. There was one box in there, and the lid was slapped down. So, I could only see half of it. I think it was, I think it was Aerodine that was in there. And then at the bottom of the box had the IAM logo. It was printed in red. So,
0: oh, um, cool. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I'm going to have to go back. Uh, guess what? My girlfriend's watching again this weekend. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> you're the brand new vice chair of the executive committee, right? How's that shaping up so far? Are you enjoying it? Or I know you've been on the executive committee for a while.
2: Yeah, no, it's just, uh, you know, again, opening up new, new things to do. I've been helping Oded transition into his, his role. And Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, like a lot of things, you kind of start with something small and you kind of find yourself getting a little bit more comfortable as you branch out into more and more things. So, Uh, I'm excited for it. Uh,
0: For those members, you know, we have a lot of members who are not involved in the, uh, you know, as you are very heavily in the volunteer, being a volunteer leader in the the association. Can you give a a brief description of what the executive committee is and what it does?
2: Um, The executive committee, you know, represents the industry as a whole, and we try to work together to Cover the various things that are important to what we feel are for the industry, or what we hear from the voice of our fellow members, and try and help to not only take care of today, but look about, look for tomorrow, and how we can improve the industry as a whole, and look to to assist people in various ways that they may need. Our, our moving industry is very diverse, and you know, from transportation service providers and freight forwarders and ocean freight forwarders. Um, and the agents. So we, we've got to make sure we're trying to provide something to all, all members uh, that would be a part of the moving industry.
0: All right. Hey, John, I really appreciate you uh, talking with me today and hanging out online here. You know, maybe uh, maybe next year I'll see you in person in Orlando. Very good. All right. You take right. care. Thanks again. Thank you. We want to hear from you. You can leave us a voice message at anchor.fm IAMovers slash message. I will also put the link in the show notes so you can click on it right there. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, PocketCast, Radio Public, and Spotify. Thank you for listening to the IAM podcast. If there's ever anything you need from IAM, you can contact us at membership at IAMovers.org or contact us by going to the Contact Us page on the IAM website at IAMovers.org. Thank you for joining us and we will talk to you next time.